Welcome to a Gate World fan commentary. I'm Darren. I'm David. And today we're watching the SG-1 Season 3 finale, Nemesis. And I hope you're watching it too. I hope so. It's not so fun if you're just listening to us. Yeah, that's boring. <laughs> this episode opens... Uh, it's pretty unique, this conversation between Jack and Daniel, with, with Daniel in the infirmary, because it's sort of everyday banter, like not necessarily talking about anything. And this, I think season three in particular was the first time in the show where we started to see the characters relate on this level. Do you know this was mostly ad-libbed? Was it? That, that makes yes. total sense of the scene then. Yeah. So Danny's out of commission, apparently because he's just had his appendix out. Which actually happened to the actor. Yeah, which is, I guess they they would have originally written the script to have Danny go on the adventure with the rest yes. of the team. And Michael Shanks had his own appendix out, so he gets sidelined. So Brad Wright was busily rewriting uh, uh, this this script, or Robert Cooper, I should say. And mm. uh, so they just wrote it so that he stood on the sidelines. Which I think, you know, looking back on this episode, I think may have been maybe the beginning of the end of Shanks's original involvement with the show, this appendix burst, you know, yeah. cause I mean the first episode back, you know, he's sidelined again because of the appendix. So and small victories in season four. Yeah. So I, I can't help but wonder if this had a small part to play in what ultimately occurred. Well, this is a transition point for the character. This is, um, so one of the show's co-creators, Jonathan Glasner, leaves SG-1 at the end of season three. Yeah. And uh, in in that process, I think they decided to wrap up a lot of the storylines that the show had kicked off with Children of the Gods. They wrapped up Share, Daniel's mm-hmm. wife. They mm-hmm. wrapped up Skara in season three. Uh, you know, Danny gets a haircut. Shanks starts to make the character more his own and less... You know, the long-haired, sneezing James Spader, Daniel Jackson. Mm-hmm. This is re- Episodes like this is where that transition is sort of starting to really, really visible. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is also the f- start of a, of a new arc, which is Jack trying to get Carter to go fishing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jack trying to get his whole team, but especially Carter, to go mm-hmm. fishing with him. It's a five-year arc when you think about it, including this yeah. episode. Where does it pay off? Uh, that's uh, the end of Reckoning. Or is it Threads? It's Threads. It's both, I think, isn't it? No, it's th- no, the it's end of Threads and the end of Mobius. Threads and, and Mobius. And 200. The end of season eight. And that's how I always pictured the show ending, actually, was yeah, them that's, fishing. That's so, sort of the end of Jack's involvement, of, yeah, of Richard D. And, Anderson's involvement as a, as a full-time cast member. Exactly. And in, in a way, it actually happened, and that was like kind of creepy. Yeah, but it sort of starts here. It starts like, with this, you know, we've saved the world a few times, and now Jack is off on vacation. And, you know... <gasps> what yeah, happened to Jack? And such a great tease. Yeah. He gets beamed out. <laughs> so now we've been watching this third season, and we recognize exactly what's going on. Remember in Fair Game, the third mm-hmm. episode of season three, Jack mm-hmm. got beamed up by the Asgard. He's just looking at a different portal, it looks like. 
Yeah, so he knows where he is. He recognizes the ship. And he's going to start wandering the corridors, looking for Thor. Hello. What a neat design, this Asgard architecture. Yeah, it's a gorgeous ship. You kind of wonder why the ceilings are so high. Because they're so small? Because the Asgard are so short. I mean, remember what they did with the Ursini ship in Uh SGU. That's true. And the entrance of one of the greatest adversaries. Oh, here they come. In a very creepy way. Jack sees these mechanical spiders. Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn a lot more about them. Nemesis is the 22nd episode of Season 3, also for the finale. Originally aired March 10th, 2000 on Showtime. Syndicated May 14th, 2001. Wow, that takes me back. Mm-hmm. Written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood. This is a great episode. Yeah, this is uh, this was voted the best episode of season three in our online poll mm. by uh, by Stargate fans. I think it ended up getting the top vote because the mid season two parter, Jolinar's Memories, and The Devil You Know were both nominated, and they split that vote. Mm, okay. But Nemesis really is a terrific episode. Um, it's a great finale, and it obviously sets up a huge ongoing arc uh, with the replicator threat. They do a pretty decent job of designing these things. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought it was so interesting that they were purple. Yeah, because um, the alloys inside the ship. That's why they're purple. But you know, the some of the shots in the next episode are just a quantum leap in terms of the the realism of these of these robots, and they mm-hmm. they don't really look real in this episode. You know, they're they're going with something very very different, um, but it doesn't. I mean, none of those shots were convincing to me. They don't have a lot of weight as visual effects. Um, I mean, it's obviously wise that they went with a simple design. Mm-hmm. I think they're lit well and colored well and modeled well. Look at the size of that laptop. I know. And here we see the one of the bugs is uh, apparently digesting the, the material the ship is made of. So you're kind of getting the idea of what it is that they do. Yeah, they're actually eating the ship. See, the doorways are small, but the overall chambers are are not. And that's, I mean, look at our architecture. A lot of a lot of buildings and and chambers are much larger mm. than we are. So Jack finds Thor, and Thor is not doing so hot. What is it that happened to him? Did he get bitten? I mean, what what was it? I think it was just really ambiguous. His ship got taken over. There was some battle. And he was hurt in the battle. Yeah, a long story. 
This is a lengthy tale, O'Neill. And longtime Stargate fans are going to recognize or, or know already that the voice of Thor is none other than Michael Shanks, Daniel Jackson. Indeed it is. So Jack is putting it together at this point. Like, oh, wait a second. This is the enemy that you guys told us about. Yeah, remember last time we saw the Asgard when they helped us negotiate the Protected Planets Treaty with the Gould in Mm -hmm. Fair Game? Thor basically confessed to Jack that the Asgard, as powerful as they are and as advanced as they are, don't have the the muscle to come save our galaxy from the Gould because they're fighting their own enemy in their own galaxy. And it was just left ambiguous like that. Like, there's some enemy out there in their galaxy that's worse than the Gould. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you knew that when they said that, that they were setting up something. Yeah. They were putting something into place. Yeah, and this is really nice payoff for the finale. See, these kinds of visuals, they always do a great job at. Mm-hmm. It, and it makes sense that an enemy that would be strong enough to topple the Asgard, you know, with all their technological might, would be some kind of a technological scourge. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense when you think about it. They're, I don't think that they could have really come up with something more uh, correct as an arch nemesis for the Asgard. Yeah, this really comes out in the second half of this story, in Small Victories... Um, the the continuation of, of this episode, when we really get the sense that it's the, the Asgard's advanced technology, it's actually the fact that it's more advanced than ours that ends up making them more vulnerable to the replicators. Mm-hmm. They're similar in threat to the Borg in that the more... Um, advanced your technology is the more a da- the more of a danger you are to yourself mm. yeah the more they want you <laughs> it's like he's at a drive through <laughs> <laughs> The, the projections of Jack, I mean, every time we do this with Asgard technology, there's more of it in Season 5. RDA just does it so well. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. It's that, that kind of oil shimmer to it. What do you mm-hmm. want to call that? Mm-hmm. So Jack's realized at this point that he's, you know, destroy the ship is the only way to save Earth, and he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that he's capable of doing this, right? He went to Abydos in the feature film with a bomb, planning to, you know, stop the enemy threatening Earth and not come back. Mm-hmm. 
So you can't tell these kinds of stories on, on Stargate anymore, at least not with SG later SG-1 in Atlantis you couldn't because of the spaceships. Mm. Yeah. Where, where you, you've got, like, geographic issues, where, and you can't, you don't have a ship running to your rescue with beaming technology. Yeah. Universe did bring some of that back, thank God, but... Um... Yeah, the, the technological helplessness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a thing like, uh, you know, at the the season two premiere of SG-1, trying to get off of Apophis' mothership before it blows up. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, coming up with an idea like finding the Death Glider Bay mm-hmm. and taking Death Gliders out, that sort of ingenuity and clever thinking on the spot kind of goes away after we get ships and beaming technology. Mm-hmm. I guess an episode like Descent in Season 6 would, would maybe be the last time we see that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, this is SG-1 era that I love the most because we're... We're really having to think on our feet, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And it's establishing... Um, deep-rooted arcs. I mean, you've got... You've got, you know, the replicators here. You've got O'Neill's relationship with Thor building. Mm-hmm. Um... There, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff that's that's going on. This Asgard set is so beautiful. It's the set. It's not just the set design. It's the the lighting of this, and the colors. Mm-hmm. And Jack runs out before he hears the warning on the recording. Yeah, that transporting will cause problems. <laughs> you guys are not supposed to be here. They came not only to help, but they think they have a way to get off the ship. So Jack doesn't have to sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. And the stakes are absolutely high. As sort of quiet as this episode is, uh, a lot of it, the scenes, at least the scenes without replicators chasing us, um, the stakes are incredibly high. The replicators cannot be allowed to gain a foothold in our galaxy. Mm-hmm. They'll do to us what they did to the, As- to the Asgard. Just cool. Yeah, so we see what happened here. A Zat did absolutely nothing on these guys. Advanced energy-based technology. Squadoosh. I love the POVs of the replicators. Mm-hmm. And that shot's really important. Till looks back over his shoulder, and they're not reassembling this time. So it's looks like two shots kill. They move him into a different room? I don't know. Is this a different room? It looks smaller. I can't imagine. (laughs) 
hey, I can come too. <laughs> PBX. We'll wait for the space shuttle to come pick us up. Just chill out in space. Will we learn about the deceleration drive, or does that come later? Yeah, we're just planning on blowing up the ship right now. We haven't yet come up with the idea of crashing it into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You ever looked up the origins of Beliskner? Is it Norse? Beliskner. It is Norse. Uh, I don't recall offhand what it is, if it's a place or something like that. Hmm. So having seen... Was... Go ahead. I always thought it was, was strange that uh, as great a name as Beliskener is, that the Asgard end up naming their other ships, you know, the O'Neill and yeah. the Daniel Jackson. Would have loved to hear some other Norse names. I would have loved to meet Odin, you know. Later seasons we meet Loki, the Asgard, but we never meet like Odin. We were supposed to have met Odin, the king. And we didn't. Hey, look who's back. Indeed. Major Davis. Haven't seen him too much since a matter of time. I don't think that's right. He makes a few appearances in season three. He's in uh, Foothold. Yes, this is true. A very important episode for his character. So you compare the replicators to the Borg, which which is how I always thought of them. They're uh, they're technologically based and they're unstoppable, or seemingly unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And we really have to think creatively to find out how to knock them out. And use good old-fashioned human ingenuity to come up with a way to just just stave them off until the next time. And the Asgard, who have been trying to, who have been fighting them for how how is it given? Are we given an indication as to how long they've been fighting one another? The timeline. I don't know. You're the timeline author. Um, this is true. I don't remember any sort of sense of how long the Asgard have been at this mm -hmm. fight. But I mean, they've it's always failed. In Menace, when we find Reese, the, the origins of the replicators. But I don't think we even, even there get a sense of how long it was when her civilization was destroyed. Mm -hmm. She was sort of put in hibernation. Mm hmm. That's a good question. It could be 10 years, it could be 1,000 years. Mm hmm. I get the impression that it's been a few years. Not, I mean, tremendously, tremendously long. Uh, yeah. But they've been at this for a little while. Okay, Sam's on it now. Sam's figured out how to destroy the ship. Uncontrolled re-entry into the, or in this case, entry. 
into the atmosphere. <laughs> Jack's always waving his hand at, at Sam's techno babble. It's just nice shut up. To, just shut up. To, to Thor. And it's a it's a storytelling conceit to not have to explain some of the more unusual aspects of all of this technology. You know, just have Jack shut her up in a moment where you know we don't think we can go any further. I mean, it's great that we have to sort of think our way through this problem because you would think, hey, the Asgard are so advanced, they would have technology that that would, like, prevent an explosion from destroying this entire ship and everyone on it. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder what... what the original script would have had Daniel doing on board here. He probably would have been at, at Carter's side. Yeah. But he's not he's not crucial to the story. So yeah. I, I I he would have been out of the th- out of the three, he would have been the easiest to pull out because you need Teal's might yeah. and Jack's command decisions and yeah, and Sam working on the technical problems. Exactly. So he's the easiest to eliminate from a story like this. So they're trying to get to the bridge. This is a, this is a nice example of suspense. As a storytelling yeah. device. It's not so much what you see as what you don't see and what you hear. That's a cool shot. That's not as convincing. <laughs> yeah. And like again, like the Borg, they're sort of, you know, they don't perceive us as a threat, so they're just going about their business. Consuming. Consuming. They're simply interested in your ship. It's technology. They've identified it as something they can consume. As brilliant a uh, animatronic puppet as Thor is, you always figure that they they're trying to think creatively of ways to keep him immobile. Yeah, immobilized. You know, right. In fair game, he's beaming up and down from his ship to the planet, sitting in his chair. Yeah. He gets up once. Yeah. Yeah, because they have to do that. To kind of give a little bit of dynamics to the character. And this, of course, in reality, is just going down the same hallway in different directions over and over <laughs> to over again, mm-hmm. and it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Stargate command set is the same. There's there's about three stretches of hallway. I love this shot. That's a whole lot of them. Oh, yeah. So now what are we looking at with this big light? Is this like the engine core? 
Uh, it's, I thought it was the bridge. That's the bridge? I thought so. Look at all the, the command stations around it. There's an unusual bridge design. Mm-hmm. In the concept art, there are actually dead Asgard in some of those chairs. Oh. Always been impressed by these EV suits. They look like the real deal to me. Yeah, they're amazing. This is a nice beat for Thor because it's stuff like this that makes him feel like a character mm-hmm. and not like a puppet. Mm-hmm. You sort of have an emotional connection to Thor. He doesn't want to go into stasis because he wants to keep helping. Yeah. Love those guys. <laughs> and of course, this is Thor not being able to think outside of the box. You know, like the Asgard are very good at doing. Like they show us they're very good at doing, you know. And we can't do this. We can't do this. And if we do this, then we die. So let's mm-hmm. try this and then we'll die. You know, no, 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 no. Get, let let human ingenuity, give inge- human ingenuity a chance to operate and figure itself out. Yeah, he's kind of bumming me out. <laughs> he's assuming that he has figured out all the options. And by the next episode... You know, he lets Carter come up with stupid ideas. Yeah, I think it's because of this, because they managed to destroy the Ballistner and, and stop the replicators here. The Asgard start to think of human beings as able to really sort of contribute something important. Mm-hmm. And obviously Sam in the next episode is going to go to the Asgard galaxy and save their little gray mm-hmm. butts. He's on his feet. Daniel's moving around, feeling better. Ah, that's right. This episode also, the climax of it starts the trouble with the Russians. Right, right. This is this is an important two-part arc. This is pretty important. A lot of crap oh, yes. begins to fly. I mean, we've wrapped up so much in the back half of season three with Sharae and with Skara. Skara. Uh, and with the Harsesis child sort of off being taken care of now by super powerful aliens. Uh, we sort of need a new direction for the show. We need to kick off some new arcs, which Nemesis does so well. Man, it just Pretty can't get over the, the coloring and the lighting. I know. On the Ballistner. It's so beautiful. It's a great set. And they the use blue, it great the again in yellows. Scorched Earth. They use this set in Scorched Earth? Mm-hmm. It's the same for the set. For Yeah. For the, mm. the Gadmir Terraformer. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they just had bubbles with water. And Teal'c is ready to go outside the ship and plant this bomb and take out the deceleration drive so that we can crash the ship. Everybody get all that? Why would they put a drive on the outside of the ship? Cool. This is beautiful stuff with Tilk and Jack, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the sign of great writing when you can, in the midst of crisis, you can slow down and have a couple of characters have a really personal moment. This is thinking about the Jack and, and Tilk relationship over the years. This is, this is some of my absolute favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. When Tilk's life is, is in danger here. And Jack tells him he has to push off. <laughs> Great line. Mm-hmm. I love that line. Oh, but there's trouble. Overhead. That is replicator acid. Similar to alien acid. Hmm. Did you ever get around to watching Alien? Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, I haven't seen the whole series yet. I've seen the first two. You can stop there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that they're not that this is the place to talk about it at length, but apparently the new movie that Lost Damon Lindelof has been working on is is not a sequel or a prequel, but is supposedly set in the same universe as Alien. Mm. The bomb. Nice. EVA tether. It looks pretty good. I mean, they definitely didn't shoot it in zero gravity. No. Man, she pretty. <laughs> With that lighting on her face? Mm-hmm. This is a neat shot. Yeah. So the replicator strategy is to land the ship safely and infest Earth. Once they've eaten enough of it that they've replicated and gotten their numbers up. He can't move any faster. <laughs> ah, the problems begin to start. Mm -hmm. The airlock door is closed, and my big yellow button will not open it. Did the replicators deliberately shut it? I think it was a safety mechanism for the ship. Mm-hmm. It always is. I suppose maybe the, the hole in the ceiling inside might have triggered mm -hmm. some pressure sensor. Exactly, yeah. Oh. 
Well, there's your problem right there. Luke's going to have to push. I always thought this was brilliant. Such a brilliant little crisis. Mm-hmm. Asgard beaming technology is not perfect. It's not some computer system that's sitting somewhere and can find you anywhere you're at. Mm-mm. No, there are there certain are sensors that trip. Yeah, and the, the transporters themselves are, are arrays that project and only cover so much territory. It's a great way to do this. I always thought, could he have pushed off any slower... I mean, yeah. he, he he just gave himself such a just such the slightest nudge. It's like, how badly do you want to be saved here? Kick yeah. with your feet. Yeah, it's so brilliant. He's got to trust his friends. He's got to trust Jack when Jack says you got to push off, and Jack's got to trust Sam when she says that she can save him. And meanwhile, from Jack's POV, Teal'c is just floating away in deep space. Mm-hmm. Look, you can see the ship's reflection in his visor. Mm. Mm, I don't know if he's going to make it. Or either. We're losing everybody. They're both goners. <laughs> Go look in the photo gallery for Nemesis uh, on GateWorld. Talking about the picture of Carter and Thor? <laughs> There's a great behind-the-scenes photo of uh, Amanda leaning in to give Thor a smooch. Which they actually put on the cover of the DVD box set for <laughs> for um, the original release. And I was like, really? Are you kidding me? Yeah, the design person didn't realize it was a behind-the-scenes joke. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it when MGM does things like that. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. You really put people in charge of your brand who know what the <laughs> brand is. That's awesome. Fantastic line from George. Did you just hear that? That's how I feel most of the time. <laughs> General Hammond has to order teams through the gate on a daily basis. And just and hopes that they be, make it back okay. Yeah, he wants to be out there with them. Such a great line for Hammond. Uh, and it's nice that we're cutting back to Daniel and seeing how Daniel feels about the fact that he can't be with his team right now. Mm-hmm. They could have just, you know, left him in the infirmary until the end of the episode. So it's all about timing. We're starting to get a hang of the technology. 
Except Thor is now in his magic candy shell. <laughs> and the rocks don't work. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And this is, is this is great. No way off the ship. Did you see this one coming? When I first saw the episode? Mm-hmm. No. No. This was this is just magic. This is a magical moment. It's all that Hammond can do is just update the defense condition. That's one of the mm-hmm. uh, I, one of the things about his character. He's so cut off, you know, from what's going on. Well, all I can do is upgrade the defense condition. Yeah, the threat is now a little bit bigger because we're in Act Three or Act Four. Oh, so it hasn't happened yet. We're off on our timing. Yeah, it's coming. And when we fight the replicators, we've always got these glasses because of all the garbage that they're going to be shooting at them. Mm-hmm. Shells getting Safety knocked dives. into their faces. There it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Epic. Just to see the gate room empty. Yeah. After three years. Brilliant. This is the first time that, that we learn this about the Stargate, I think. There should be enough power. holds enough reserve power mm-hmm. to do one dial out without a power source. And George goes looking for the Beta Gate, which we haven't seen. Earth's second Stargate since Touchstone in Season 2. Mm-hmm. Man, I remember <laughs> after this aired, you know, Tilk says so clearly, I am dialing P3X234. We spent days hunting for references in the series to P3X234. <laughs> to find Did out we? if this was a planet that she one had been to before, that we know where they went. Because, you know, we had a hiatus after this episode. Mm-hmm. And, no, it's it's not any planet we're familiar with. It's like confetti. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get your butts out of there. Now Sam is overrun. She got the rocks working, I guess, long enough to beam up the gate. Mm-hmm.
Cool. It's amazing no replicators follow them through. Yeah. You see them, I think later there's a shot of them climbing on the gate itself. Yeah, yeah, they are crawling over it. It's pretty amazing. I remember analyzing this episode really closely, really scrutinizing it for mm-hmm. details like that. And there's Thor's little pod with his anti-grav going. So Thor is safely through. And now it just all comes out. All the ammo, all the visual effects. How does she know when to push that button? Ah, she's got a good sense of timing. I guess so. Dramatic timing. Not yet, sir. It's not dramatic enough. (laughs) Yeah, it just all comes out here. Nothing is held back. Every replicator on the ship is on their way. It's amazing that more replicators don't get closer to them. Mm-hmm. They well, do a really good job holding them off. Dramatic tension. Yeah. I love that we... Do- Whoa. That's <laughs> a lot. You see them falling off the ceiling? Yeah. That's a lot. And the destruction of the Beliskner is. I love that we don't see them escaping. History. Yeah, we don't see them go through the gate, do we? Mm-mm. Kind of adds a little bit to the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. We wait. We wait. The characters wait. wait. The viewers wait. We have we have months before season four premieres. Yeah, this was a hard wait. And cliffhanger twist. I know. You knew it was coming, didn't you? Oh yeah, one at least one had to have survived. Yeah, this little twist I saw coming. It's great. Mm-hmm. Great show. Really makes you want to put in the second one. It does, yeah. Maybe we should uh, we should pick up with Small Victories next month. Uh, I really like this, this arc. I do as well. Let's do it. Well, that's Nemesis. It's got those great character moments, some, some quiet stuff, great visual design for this show, great production quality. Uh, we got Thor. We got Replicators. I mean, what doesn't it have? It's got pretty much everything you're looking for in an episode. Yep, it's a great episode of SG-1. Best of Season 3. Indeed it is. <laughs>